Well, Lori, uh, Lori Amit, uh, welcome to the journey, and uh, glad to have you here. Uh, I know we just met each other the, in the last couple years, uh, mm-hmm. actually through the gym, yeah. and uh, just seeing each other at the gym, and then striking up a conversation. I think we were both on the stationary bike at one time. <laughs> so, uh, well, welcome to the journey, and let me just share a little bit about what the journey is. Um, the journey is really a a show that just brings on ordinary people talking about their stories, um, how they may have recreated themselves throughout, through over time, either as their career has changed over time, maybe if they've struggled with some type of uh, setback, either through a mental illness or through an addiction or, or some type of trauma in their life, or it may just been um, just through life itself that um, following what that passion was and how that may have changed into something else throughout their life. So, uh, so that's basically what the journey is. Uh, how did someone recreate themselves? How did someone fail forward? So, uh, well, welcome to the journey. And, Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, not a problem. And uh, so tell us a little bit about um, what, who you are, what you, what you do. But um, as you're kind of going to that, what do you do for fun? What, what does Laura do for fun? Oh, what do I do for fun? Um, well, I love to travel and I love to exercise and I really love football. Okay. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> so okay. My dad um, made me love the Bears. He told okay. me about uh, the players on and off the field okay. and he made me love the game. Okay. All so, right. When do you remember? Do you, Did your dad bring you to games or was it more yeah. watching TV? Or it was well, more on TV. More on I TV, mean, I sure. maybe saw one. Okay. But now I kind of love college football because okay. my son went to Alabama. So, oh, well, but nice. I love all football. Okay. Nice. So, I, you know, it's, I grew up with my my dad was a Packers fan and and because of when I was born the Packers were you know world champions and then Super Bowl champions and stuff and uh, and he he graduated from high school in Wisconsin and so did my mom and um, and then over time when I was playing for all those years and and coaching I, I played but I didn't necessarily follow a particular team or anything and then um, as I've told the story before is that uh, Caleb and I uh, ended up uh, following a particular um, running back for NIU mm-hmm. who then went on to the Bears and then since that time period um, we followed probably more of the Bears but I realized um, probably watching college football is that I just enjoy good com- competition yes we were uh caleb and i were home on saturday night and um it was funny we were flipping through in the fourth quarter uh flipping through the games in the fourth quarter just who's what scores were closest what what potential upset was going to happen um just just being able to watch the competitiveness yes and and uh, last Saturday was a lot of good games. <laughs> there was a lot of good games. There was a lot of good games. And Alabama's definitely a, it's a well, fun I team love, to be I love, as a coach myself, mm-hmm. I love um, watching some of the things that Nick Saban does. Mm-hmm. And he's an incredible motivator. Yeah. And yeah. you can't help but notice that. So, so well, going there. So mm-hmm. t- when you think of uh, observing uh, – Nick Saban and, and some of the, and some of his coaching and some of his coaching philosophy. Anything in particular stand out that that stood out to you, resonated with you, or maybe even you then adapted that for what you coach? Mm. Well, I love listening to him and mm. how his expectations for his players mm. is so high. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I'm trying to think of one yeah. thing. I mean, his will to win is incredible, yeah. and I don't know that I can narrow it down sure, to one thing, but sure. I just really pay attention yep. to him. Yep. I 
I don't know. He just yeah. has a very high expectation. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think one of the things that's kind of stood out to me with with his work is that he uh, has a high expectation to win. He puts big goals out there, mm-hmm. but then he also very much focuses on the small things. Yes. And even though the expectation is the big goal, it's really about living in the process, living in and 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 talking about teaching the small things. And if you focus on your assignment yes. and the person next to you focuses on their assignment, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be okay. Yes. And where the breakdown happens is where someone or the group as a whole are not focusing on just what they can do. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and so I think it's that, that tension between having high expectation but not everything is in the outcome. It's it's yes. about in the process. And yes, very much so. We'll probably come back to that sometime yes, as we, we talk. <laughs> as we talk. So, so Lori, tell you are you from the Rockford area? Yes, I was born and raised okay. in Rockford. Okay, all right. And um, and so, uh, mom and dad, right? And how many siblings? Uh, I have one sister. One sister, yes. older, younger, younger, younger. Okay. And uh, what what high school did you go to? Uh, Guilford. Guilford. Okay. And so. Um, and you got involved with the gymnastics, right? That was in... since I was very young. I was that kid that okay. could not st- sit still. You okay. know, I had to be upside down and all over the place, and okay. walking across the top of the swing set. And I think my mom went, "I better get her some instruction before she hurts herself." <laughs> okay, and so, so I can just imagine you or your mom's oldest, your mom and dad's yes. oldest, and you're walking across the top of the. That is uh, what she told me I yeah, did, and yes. I was very young. Yeah. So, any idea of approximately how old you were when? Well, she told me I was two or three. Oh goodness. Yes. All right. So, just mm-hmm. the idea that you even cl- were climbing up. Yes. That. So, so then gymnastics. Why gymnastics? You know, I don't know why she put me there. Okay. But it was a total match. Okay. I mean, I haven't looked back since. I okay. think I've been in the gym since I was six or seven years old. Okay. And it is, it's been my world. Okay. I love it. Okay. Yeah. And, and so when you, so when you first got involved with gymnastics, I mean, I, mean, I know you were little, right? And it was yes. just, but what, what do you, because there's going to be, a, there's going to be a lot of parents listening and maybe mm-hmm. even more parents than, you know, grade school age kids listening. So what, what was it about this particular activity that seemed different than other things that your mom and mom and dad mm-hmm. might have introduced you? Well, I would say I didn't really know anything else, okay. you know, but, um, I had a really hard time learning my flip flop, you okay. know, anybody that does gymnastics or cheerleading. I mean, that's the big skill you have to get right mm-hmm. away. Right. And I had a really hard time getting it okay. and nobody gave up on me. You know, okay. they, they, my teammates and my mom was my coach. Okay. Um, eventually anyway. And, um, after I learned that one skill, I took off. Okay. So I think, I just think it's amazing that everybody stuck with me, you know, okay. and that I just kept going and going until, I mean, by the time I was nine, I went to the World Age Group Championships in London. Oh, really? And wow. so after that, I took off. But it was just that one thing, okay. you know, that I think stops people sometimes from uh, continuing. Sure. And it's so worth it. Sure. To- and I know this is hard to remember because it was, you know, you were six, right? But Or six or seven. But what, what do you think, looking back on learning that particular stunt, learning that particular move, mm-hmm. what do you think was in the in the way until was, you experientially you got it. I, I was afraid. 
Mm. I was just afraid. I don't know if I, I was afraid of falling on my head, I guess, you know, because you're jumping backwards onto your hands. And um, I just wanted somebody to stand there, Mm -hmm. you know, and just make sure that I'm safe. I was careful, I guess, on that one thing, which is crazy from the kid that walked across the top of the swing set. I don't know what happened, but um, it was just a foreign move, I guess. And then once I got beyond that, I never looked back. Sure. But I think a lot of people might just change sports thinking it's not their sport, but that never occurred to me. Yeah. Like, I, this is what I wanted to do. Sure. And, and when, and, and again, this idea of being so young and this is what I want to do or this is where I felt comfortable or, or at home, what, um, did you have anything to compare that to? Or is it just, it was just one of those things that it, it just felt right, so you just kept pushing as a young person kept pushing. Yeah, I guess I, I, I don't really know. Okay. I, I'm not sure. Maybe my mom saw something, okay. you know. And your mom was a gymnast? My mom was not. Okay. You know, she wasn't, but she put me in this, and I was at a club called Trampoline Town USA, okay. which many people from Rockford were a part of this club. Mm-hmm. We had incredible talent. Back then, we had Judy Ford on our team, okay. we, who became Miss America. Sure. And we had um, Rob Bollinger, who, be, who um, ended up running the Cirque in Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah. And we had Ron Marriott, who was a bronze medalist in diving. diving so we, we really had an incredible amount of talent right there in one building. Mm. It's amazing when I think back on it. Well, they, they, they talk about sometimes that idea that out you know the outliers and Malcolm Gadwell wrote a book about that and and sometimes there's an element of timing that when a certain amount uh, just a certain group of a pool of talent are in the yes. same place at the same time mm-hmm. and then the and the right coaches are there um, yes. there's something about how then that momentum then pulls um, other individuals up as well and I know for me Definitely. that was my experience with bodybuilding in the 80s mm. um, it was very much the same a very similar type of thing well and we helped each other you know that was probably one of the neatest things is we helped each other and when we would get to competitions people would be like oh great they're here you know mm. and that just gives you momentum sure. you know just makes you feel like I got this yeah, you know, if right. other people are afraid, here we are, you know, yeah, yeah. it's a fun, it's a great feeling. Yeah. And, and I imagine though, at least from what I remember of that is that it's a great feeling of confidence and you're yes. being pushed in the gym. But I know for me, there was an element of, um, pressure yes. to perform. Yes. So there's this, again, this tension between. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is there's levels now there's, um, uh, novice, intermediate, advanced, sub-advanced. We didn't have that back then. Mm. It was all, everybody was the same level. You just, they were divided by age group. Okay. So when I first started, I was competing against kids that had already been in the sport for a long time. Mm. So I probably got 30th out of 31 mm-hmm. at my first couple competitions. And my mom taught me that as long as I do my best, that was good enough. Mm. So my focus was not on winning. Okay. It was on doing the best I could, and that made me really enjoy the sport. Okay. And then it was a long time before I won anything, okay. you okay. know. So there's this idea of continuous improvement. 
Yes. And and that that was really the mark in which you were being measured. Yes. If I if if my routines were harder than the meet before, um, and I accomplished them, I was successful. That's okay. how I judged it. Okay. And I think you know then it's just a personal doing your personal best. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it makes. I mean, that's, I think that's huge. I mean, that would be something that I would think that Nick Saban would yes. <laughs> would, would be saying saying something very similar yes. about you being able to measure your own progress against mm-hmm. yourself, know, yes. knowing yourself well enough. You know, going back to that first um, that first um, uh, stunt that you were trying to uh, learn how to do. Yes, what was getting in the way? Was the thinking right? It was, yes, it was. It, to, it was all the thinking. Yeah. Yes, and and then once you experienced landing it, mm-hmm. once you experienced doing it, then that thinking no longer. It was gone. It was gone. I right? moved on. Yeah. Yep. And so um, that had to be a fundamental, um, had to be a fundamental learning lesson at a very early age. Yes. Where you, you figured it out. Yes. By not avoiding it. But by pushing through it, definitely, mm-hmm. and that is that right there is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and having obviously having, you know, coaches and support, you know, encouraging you um, through it. But at some point, ultimately, it was just having to. Yes, and you know, the kids that walk into the gym now, it is the neatest thing to see them, kind of look at it like okay what is this gymnastics and they're carrying themselves a certain way and after a while you can see them hold their head up more Mm -hmm. they even walk differently as they start to learn skills and develop their confidence and then when they hit those struggles that you know there are some days that I am sure that the kids that I teach would give their right arm not to come in and face what they have know that they're going to have to face that day mm-hmm. to get to the next level. They have to work on that skill that they are so afraid of. And when they get through it, there is nothing like it mm-hmm. because you can't give a child self-esteem to that level. Not, not the same as if they are stepping over that obstacle and getting through it. Mm-hmm. And to watch that, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Well, we, we talk a lot about, and I know I've, I've shared with you about the idea of um, the obstacle is the way. And, yes. and that obstacle is not accidentally there. Yes. And, and what what is the lesson, what's the opportunity to learn um, within that obstacle? So it, it's, it is a matter of having to go through it. Yeah. Because it'll show up somewhere if you avoid it. Yes. It'll just show up in a different Absolutely. form. Absolutely. Right? Maybe it won't be in gymnastics. It'll be in something else. Well, and you know, it's the hardest thing also to help parents uh, be able to handle it too because it's very hard to watch your child struggle. Mm-hmm. And um, you want to protect them from any struggle that comes their way. But when you let the process work and they come in each day and face that, they, I wish I could describe adequately what happens to them because there's, I don't know, it's, they're so proud of themselves. And in a way that you couldn't give them, they have to do it themselves. Right. Yeah, you can't you can't wrap that up in a box and, and exactly. Get that to I wish you could, yeah. but it doesn't happen that way. That's, that isn't how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just just a little bit more. I'm just interested because I just don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So, for you, you said that 
you had an opportunity as a, as, from an age standpoint to to compete on an international level when you were nine, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And was that was that where you were saying that was your first win, or was that the, no? You I just did not win. I, I I placed fourth. Okay. But my mom had the neatest philosophy that I that made me also love the sport, where I went to everything. I was a kid that went to everything. She always thought that if I was in the environment, I would learn how to handle the environment. And so as long as I was a hard worker and did, you know, the things that were expected of me, which I did, um, I I went to everything, and I just knew that I would. And it made me love it. It made me want to work hard. It was very motivating okay. to know that I was going to get to go, okay. for lack of a better way of saying it, sure. even though money was hard. Mm-hmm. We did not have money. <clears throat> and uh, But my parents found a way to send me anyway. Okay. And I really think that changed the outcome of my career sure. because I was a kid that went. Gotcha. So you were exposed to that. I was exposed to everything, and yeah. even... One of the biggest examples is um, before I went to world championships, um, the two years before, I was an alternate to the team. So I did not have to go. But my mom thought, if I go, I will understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, I will watch the environment. I'll see what it is. Mm -hmm. And I will, it will help me. Mm -hmm. And it did. Mm -hmm. I mean, just seeing all the different countries come in and watching them compete um, it prepared me yeah. for the future. Yeah. That reminded me of, I remember when uh, I was wrestling and, and our coaches, even if we didn't qualify for the state tournament, they would still bring us down as a team yes. with, with the individuals who did qualify because um, they wanted us to experience what I it was like that. to be in this large arena with this many people watching and just to be able to experience something at just a completely another level. I love um, that. Yeah, and so and I, I, I didn't question at the time. We, mm-hmm. just, you, we just did it, but, um, but I, I remember that. And I remember later as a player um, or even when I you know, had won a national show as a bodybuilder, it was different being in that environment mm-hmm. um, yes you know this the stage yes. was different the auditorium was different um the amount of people that were there now well, in the level that you're watching yeah. you can easily mentally take yourself out before you even start if yeah. you pay attention to what they're doing in the level they're doing which in gymnastics i think it's really huge that you focus on yourself yeah. like you're what you're going to do 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 the best job that you know how to do and don't worry about what they're doing, you right. know, because uh, it won't be good for you. <laughs> well, and it goes back to kind of like what you were saying before is that, mm-hmm. you know, before you did, what was it, a flip-flop? No. Yes. So before you did that first flip-flop, mm-hmm. there was a belief that you could fall. Yes. And then after you did that, then there was a belief that that wasn't going to happen. Exactly. And, and it was all about the thinking, right? Yes. So I imagine you could easily very similar um push too hard get out of that flow um get into your head be distracted it could could be the same way exactly so so when you were competing as as an individual um you started very young um, you competed up till what age did you compete till i competed until i was 16 or 17 and then i had an injury that stopped me and i had already been to one world championships And I and I placed second oh. to another American girl, okay. and 
So the only other thing I had left to accomplish was go back and try to win. Okay. And when I had this injury, I had to make a decision. And I decided to, since there was no college scholarship having to do with tumbling, because I was more of a tumbler than a gymnast, um, I decided to go into coaching. And I walked into it. It was the most natural transition ever. And actually, I had already been coaching some. So I was coaching and an athlete at the same time. I was spending a lot of time in the gym as a high schooler. My mom was like, don't you want to go do this? I'm like, no. <laughs> so because I loved it. It was my world. So um, so anyway, but now, I mean, we definitely try to help the kids get scholarships. Right. And okay. yeah. So, so let's talk just briefly about the experience of having this injury mm-hmm. that at the time you may or may not have known that it was going to be that part of your career shifting yes um or or did you know did you was there was there a knowing was there a fear it was yeah it was pretty significant injury what was the injury it it was i tore my acl oh okay Mm -hmm. Okay. and the doctors wouldn't guarantee even if i had the surgery at that moment because knee surgeries have come a long way um that i could return to the sport And so I decided to go ahead. I loved coaching even then. And I knew everyone in the sport when I went to the meets. It just, I don't know, it was just very natural. Okay. And. So what would you say, um, so so this, again, uh, going back to the idea of an obstacle happening, right? Mm -hmm. So you have this injury. Um, In this particular case where you tore your ACL, that was of a a particular event, a particular landing or a particular thing that happened, right? And so it was sudden, and mm-hmm. and then, um, in the midst of consulting with the doctors and and contemplating about it, there was this move that, okay, this is going to be I'm going to transition from competitor to coach, mm-hmm. and even though you had already um, experienced some of that, um, what um, what was it like moving moving from one to the other? Um, it was it was so natural. It's hard for me to explain. I am so goal oriented, mm-hmm. and right away I had good kids coming up right behind me, and it was just neat to try to get them to max out their careers. I guess you know try to get them to world championships and try to because I knew what it took at the time. I I knew what they needed to do and. I wanted to go after it with them, you sure, know. Sure. So, so okay, with that, then w- w- you knew what it takes to, yes. to go, because you had been there, yes, um, different times, and and then it sounds like the 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 top of it was when you got second. Yes, that was the that was the as far as placement goes. That yes. w- that was the top of that. Um, so, what does it take to be in gymnastics or anything? You would say. I would just say that the most important thing is perseverance. I mean, you have to push through when you don't want to. You have to do a lot of things in your training that you don't want to, but you do it because you know that it's what you need and what's good for you. And um, you can't give up too easy. You know, you've got to go. <laughs> you have to you have to push, and you have to keep going. And there's days, because gymnastics takes a lot of time, um, there's days when – you'd probably rather be doing something else and you just have to go to practice anyway. And I think that the kids that push through, I've never had anyone say, 
I'm sorry that I persevered. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. I mean, you're always proud. Sure. And um, so I would say that's, you know, and then to get to even a higher level, you have to have some talent. I mean, mm-hmm. you do have to have a talent for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very important too. But I think work ethic, you know, and attendance and all of those things yeah. are really important. Well, and I, I think, you know, when we think about, I mean, it's hard, it's hard, right? As a spectator, you see certain people uh, on, you hear about them, you see them on TV or, or read about them or whatever. Um, uh, Simone, right? She makes it look easy. She it makes mm-hmm. it look pretty easy. Um, but there's a lot that goes into it. And there's a lot of, a lot of that is what I'm hearing you say, very similar to other sports, is that there are things that we can control. You know, yes. we can control if we show up. Yes. We can control what we do when we show up. We can control if we give 100% or give 95%. Exactly. We, we, can, we can control if we're going to face that fear yep. and get coaching tips on how to push through that fear. Those are all things that within our control. Mm-hmm. Now, there may be some individuals, you know, that are just more naturally gifted Mm-hmm. And have that same mindset too. That's going to make that's going to be a different thing. Yes, uh, they can be naturally gifted, have that mindset, and then as you were talking about, be surrounded around um, another group of athletes at the same level, and yeah. that's just going to raise the bar. So there's there is timing. There are there is a talent factor that we can't necessarily control those. Exactly. But what we can control, and will get us pretty far. Yes. Um, are, are those factors of showing up? discipline, consistency. Exactly. I mean, I really love coaching kids that no matter how hard it gets, I know they're going to show up the next day Mm -hmm. because I'm on a journey with them Mm -hmm. because they're going to hang in there. They're going to stick it out. I love that as a coach. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, as you've been coaching, Mm -hmm. what now you've been coaching for 40 years, 40 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and, and obviously the sport has changed, Yes, you know, um, there's a lot of different variables that have, that have gone into that. And there's probably been, you know, peaks and valleys and different, different aspects of it. Mm -hmm. How would you, if there was, because it sounds like who you are as a coach has been has stayed consistent ever since you started coaching yes but what have you seen that's changed in the sport over time and and Mm -hmm. i obviously i'd say there's probably some good some concerns yeah um in the sport itself um i think the standard has just gotten higher and higher i Mm -hmm. mean and there's a lot of good coaches out there where Mm -hmm. i feel like it was maybe a little less before Mm -hmm. um i think the way I'm trying to think of how to say this, but the way people raise their children is much different than it was when I first started. Um, I think uh, it's easier to just move on to something else now, I guess, than Mm. it did before. Um, I think, you know, people hung in there a little bit more when Mm. I first started. Mm. Um, So... I don't know. <laughs> well, well, okay. So let's ex- let's explore because again, I, I think any time when we talk about certain elements of it, we're mm-hmm. just talking, right? Yes. Right. So so we're just talking. This is just our observations, mm-hmm. and and next thing you know, next week something's going to completely change that, yes. right? So, <laughs> right. so it, or or we may have something that'll completely challenge that mm-hmm. way of thinking, and we may start looking at it differently. Yeah. But when you talk about the idea that 
if there is um, if the, because there's it's two components, right? So when you were when you were six years old and you couldn't get that flip flop, there may have been a consideration that you can get it, and out of frustration, mm-hmm. you may have wanted to quit. I never felt that way, and no, we never talked about it. Mm, okay. You know, so I don't know. That might be unusual. I think maybe other people thought, you know, she should, you know, find something else. But mm. I never thought that, okay. and I didn't want to. Okay. So, so, so you, so, so with that being said, then mm-hmm. that may, may be even sometimes harder when you've had in the past teammates, and, and now you have other other situations because that wasn't necessarily your experience yeah um but i have had students that i've worked with when i was coaching football and and wrestling and um uh even in the strength conditioning coaching is that when it started getting difficult when Mm -hmm. the practices were at 6 a.m and they were tired um there there was um i don't i don't know if i want to do this anymore Yes. And I think it's very hard to make a decision when you're tired mm-hmm. or when you don't feel good. I usually try to encourage people not to make a decision quickly like that because it might not be the right one. Right. You know. Yeah. And maybe uh, overly influenced by that fatigue mm-hmm. um, or that, that illness or that injury yes. or whatever it may be. Yes. Um, so I think you're, I agree with you. I think there needs to be a, a, a time frame yeah. where you don't make a decision quickly and yeah. make sure that that's really what you want to do. Yeah. And, and because giving, it's the next sport's going to be hard too. Yes. You know, there's yeah. always going to be that struggle. You can't, it's just which struggle do you want? Yeah. You know, and if it isn't a sport, it might be that next thing. Yes. Maybe it's going to be education. Maybe it's going to be a relationship. Well, maybe that is what I love about gymnastics for the kids that I teach. I feel like they're going to be the best employees. The, uh, I think that the life lessons they learn from gymnastics is they're going to take with them everywhere. The perseverance to get through college, the, uh, just how they work. They know how to solve problems. That's mm-hmm. another thing. I yeah. think that kids now, we, they don't play outside the way we used to. Sure. You know, we would play outside and we would solve problems. And it's, it's just a different world, yeah. kind of. Um, but I watch the kids in the gym learn how to solve problems. Yeah, and yeah what do you mean, solve problems in the gym? What do you um, mean? Well, you know, when they're afraid of something um, and we have to talk about that, I can't always solve it for them. They have to decide for themselves what they're going to do about this. Mm-hmm. So I encourage them to come and talk to me and about what they need. You know, hey, Lori, could I have some more mats under the beam? You know, because I'm really afraid of the skill, and I think I can go if I have more mats under the beam. And then we just pull the mats out one by one until they're more confident. But I feel that, you know, or could I have a spot on this? I just think that I always encourage them to help me solve the problem. You know, mm-hmm. we have to solve this together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm there for you but you have to be willing to do it, you know? So uh, I just, they're smart, you know? Mm-hmm. They know, they, they figure out what they need, and they get through it. Yeah. Well, Because th- they know not doing it's not an option, right. you know? Right. You're, we're going to do this, so how do you want to do this, you right. know? Well, and in encouraging them to work with you, mm-hmm. encouraging them to dialogue with you yes. is, is such a huge 
Yes. Oh, my, I only. want them to be able to come to me, mm-hmm. you know, and say, I'm really upset about this. Mm-hmm. It's really hard when they hide it, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that they're fine, but they're not fine. Yeah. So I try to um, make sure that they feel like they can come to me. Sure. And this, it's interesting as you were talking about this idea of, you know, we talked off, talked from the very beginning about what, what, a, um, what a culprit fear can do. Yes. And how much fear can be the obstacle. It's not rational. Yeah. You know, it's it's completely not rational. Yeah. And if you expose that fear to oxygen, right, we, mm-hmm. we start talking about it. We talk it to the coach. And, talk, yeah. and they, they know that that you're going to keep on pushing to figure out a way to push yes. through it. right? Exactly. Versus telling their fear to someone who's going to say, well, avoidance is an option. Exactly. I would try a hundred different ways until yep. you figure out what's going to work. Right. And have, and, and maybe this hasn't happened, um, but has there been individuals who've had concerns that they didn't want to disappoint you, so that they were afraid, but didn't want to admit that we're afraid? Oh, that they definitely were. that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. Tell, so, tell us about how well, that, I can tell by their mannerisms or... What, how how many turns they take, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I haven't seen this kid, you know, I can tell she's avoiding it. Mm-hmm. So then I have to go and say, what's going on with this? Okay. You know, I think you're avoiding this skill and you need a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I always tell them you have to do the thing you don't want to do and you have to do it a lot because that's how you're going to get to the other side of it. Yeah. And um, usually at first they catch, they start catching themselves. Oh yeah, I'm doing that. You know, or, you know, and then they start to take more turns and. Sure. You know, there is, as a a social worker, we, there's an element of now, especially we talk all the time about mental illness and we talk all the time about um, anxiety and Mm. differentiating anxiety versus fear. Yes. Um, So fear is, is a normal part of life, right? Mm. Yes. And in but avoidance of fear isn't necessary. Avoidance of the thing that's causing us to be afraid isn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be anxiety free. Yeah. It just means I go around trying to spend a lot of energy avoiding anything that I'm afraid of. Well, and I think you rob yourself of being so proud when you do the things you didn't want to do. And then uh, you got to the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of those experiences. One is, um, because we travel all over the world with mm. gymnastics and in tumbling, I didn't like to fly. Mm. And I, I didn't want to fly. And I had to deal with that, you know, especially when my kids were little. I was so worried I had to get back home to them. Sure. And so it was, I, I really went really far, and I let that control me for a little bit. Mm. And then I decided that I did not, want my kids to learn that fear Mm. I didn't want them to see that so I had to address it and um, I went to talk to somebody who told me Lori you think you have more control on a daily basis than you do Mm. and I realized I wasn't going to be here one minute longer than what God allowed me to be Mm -hmm. so I decided okay God um, here you go I'm going to fly whenever I'm supposed to fly, and I just, I'm, I'm putting you in control of what plane it is, what, you know, what the date is, you know, all those things. 
And once I made that decision, I, I got, I, it changed everything, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, but I had to get there, you know, and it took a little bit, but once I made that decision, then I, I moved forward and I've been traveling a lot ever since. Well, I think, you know, the key to what I heard you just say is that it was two parts, right? Mm -hmm. It was, it was, uh, it, it was a mindset about yes. going in and doing this, mm-hmm. controlling what I can control and letting go, letting go of what I can't control. Yes. In, in your case, it was able to let go to a, a, a higher belief system, right? Yes, I, and I, I thought I was not being a very good example as a Christian yeah. uh, because I wouldn't get on the plane. So that means I don't trust God there, but I trust him over here, but I don't trust him there. And I mm. just did not think that was how I wanted to be. Yeah. And I think those, that aspect of it, right. Mm-hmm. When we, when we have a conscious contact with um, God mm-hmm. and we're, we're striving to be congruent, it, you know, we are going to be then faced with, am I going to be a hypocrite about this? Yes. Meaning not, not, not like I'm going to be lying to someone, but am I going to be congruent, consistent with, with, with my, my belief in, I'm, it's easy to be, um, it, it's easy to have confidence in, in God over here. Yes. And when you're comfortable. When you're, yeah. Yeah. But when I'm out of my comfort mm-hmm. zone, am I going to, am I going to still, am I going to follow when it's tough or is it just going to follow well, when it's easy? I was not proud of myself when I was doing that. Mm-hmm. I thought this is not, I'm letting it control me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a way to live. Right. Again, going back to it's incongruent mm-hmm. with, with who, what you believe in other aspects of your life. Yes. You know, you overcame the fear of falling doing a flip-flop. Yes. At a young age mm-hmm. and, and having to now, for whatever reason, this idea of flying or the fear of falling once again. Yes. Um, was coming up and how were you going to address it? Because obviously you flew a lot when you were younger. Exactly. Well, I had a bad flight. That started the whole thing. Uh, and then when I had kids, I think it made it even bigger because I didn't really even want to leave them at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I definitely wanted to be able to get back to them. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I let it go way too far. Sure. And and uh, last year, um, we I, went, I flew to New Zealand and Australia mm-hmm. and climbed a bridge that I was scared to death to climb. And so... If you if you put all that together, I flew. I not being real comfortable with heights and climbed that bridge. I was super proud, you know. Sure, so sure. yeah. Well, and I think you know I, I I remember when I had, and I know you, you remember this a couple of years ago when I had my injury, mm-hmm. and there was uh, an element that then that injury resulted as happened as a result of a fall, um, and that there was a sensation that I would get um, when I'd be at the top of the stairs or I'd be getting ready to step down mm-hmm. that must have been, it was a part that was still a, a, a body memory of what had happened with this traumatic accident, right? Yes. And the only way that I was um, going to get through that and be more comfortable with that was continue exposure to stepping down. Right. And, and right. I never had the sensation or feeling when I, when I would walk upstairs or walk up something, it was only when I was going down 
and um, and so I remember that it was it was repetitive exposure um, walking stairs. Exactly. And, that got um, you over it. Yeah, and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't. It, it sometimes it happens, but it's very, very um, far in between now mm-hmm. when that happens. And I think there's an element of just continued exposure to that. Because rationally, I knew that I was safe, but I, my body was still responding to yes. it. Yes. Um, and there was this element of, uh, you know, it was a choice to avoid or to yes. expose myself to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so then, I know that when we met, you were you just had just started coming into the gym, but a different gym. Yes. You started coming to a fitness center. Yes. And uh, what what was the reason why you started working out? I mean, obviously you're exposed to gymnastics all the time. You're consistently. I mean, when you came in, you were in good shape. So. Well, I started working out more because uh, my kids had moved out, okay. and I needed something to do, okay. <laughs> you know, outside the gym. Okay. And. Uh, I loved it right away. Okay. You know, it was a really good outlet. Sure. Okay. And and so I, I know having known you, that's how we met, was mm-hmm. was through the gym. Um, you you had another surgery just, yes. just recently. Yes. Or not just recently. When you were talking about the stairs, I could really relate to that. Yeah. So uh, how long ago was that surgery? That was five months ago. Okay. And what, and what was it again? And I had a knee replacement. Knee replacement. And it was because of the injury I talked to you about earlier okay. that I never really got it fixed. Okay. And then I just went ahead and waited until it was time for a knee replacement. Okay. And it was fantastic. Okay. So, so thinking, and I know that you had a, a larger goal with that, um, yes. that you were going to get the knee replacement done, but your larger goal was that you were going to be able to be at least either fully recovered or pretty close to fully recovered because you had a, a goal at the end. You had a trip you were going down. Oh, um, Oh, yes. I was going to Italy, and that was for gymnastics as well. We had an Italian team that had visited us last summer, and we went to visit them. And we did the thing where they stayed in homes, and then we went there and stayed in homes. And it was an amazing trip, but I needed my knee to be good enough so I could go. Sure. So... So, well, two things I want to ask about that. I want to definitely <laughs> ask about that type of program and, and what are some of the things that you learned from that. But then tell me about going through that knee surgery. Um, what what things did you learn going through that? And, the, and not only the surgery, but the rehab of that. What did you learn about mm-hmm. Lori and, um, that you wouldn't have known? Well, if you I thought it was going to be a sprint, okay. and it wasn't. <laughs> it was a marathon. Okay. <laughs> um, it was a lot of hard work. The rehab is a lot of work. And, but I was required to do it twice a week and I did it six days a week. Mm. And I just, I feel a hundred percent. I don't know if I am a hundred percent, but I feel like I am. So I think, you know, as in everything, you get out of it, what you put into it. Right. So as you were going through that, um, one, you thought it was going to take less time to do it. You know, you, you thought, yes. And I think there is this idea. Um, I know for me, I thought there were, there was an element to that. Um, maybe a little bit different because mine was as a result of an accident that immediately happened Mm -hmm. and I didn't, wouldn't have been able to walk at all under the circumstance. But, um, there's this idea that the surgery itself is going to fix it. Yeah. And, and well, I, I was scared to death of the surgery itself as well. I was yeah, very afraid of that. Yeah. What? I don't yeah. know why. I think it's because I waited so long, maybe. Okay. And 
Um, I afraid I of what would happen in the surgery, or yeah, afraid of what? I think I was just afraid of the surgery itself. Okay, and I was unsure about the outcome. I think I underestimated how much it was really going to do for me. Okay, and everything about it surpassed my expectation. Mm -hmm. I just remember the first month I thought this is harder than I expected. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I'm here. I have yeah. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I have a choice. Yeah. So Well, <laughs> in that, at that point, it's already done, right? It's, yes. it's already happened. Yes. And, and maybe there's some beauty to that idea that you didn't know how hard yeah. it was going to be until mm -hmm. you were in it. And now what are you going to do with it? It's right. You know, mm -hmm. how much do you think, um, being a former athlete, mm -hmm. being a coach, living it, mm -hmm. still living it, even though yes. you know you're not obviously you're not competing. How much do you think that played a part in the the rehabilitation, your mindset? For the I think it makes a difference in every single thing that we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think being an athlete makes you tough enough to handle the things that come your way. I think it makes you. I think it's just a completely different mindset. Mm -hmm. I. I don't know. I love to work hard, mm -hmm. and um, I like the results of what happens when you work hard. I like the discipline. Uh, I think a lot of things come from discipline. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the way you spend money, you know, um, showing up for class in college, whether you feel like it or not, and you have this new freedom. Mm -hmm. um, I think discipline is the key to so many being successful in so many ways. Sure. I would, I know for me that has been definitely a big part of that secret sauce of being yes. able to, um, to be able to have knowing that I can uh, have experience with being disciplined has been, has been huge. Yes. Um, now with that being said, I had, I know for me, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but I've had to also be able to balance that, um, discipline and work to pausing and being open to God yes. guiding me because, yes. uh, I think again, living in that tension of creativity comes in that space when mm -hmm. I'm contemplating, not necessarily doing yes but i have to do if i want that whatever that uh whatever that idea is for that to come to life yeah. there is an element of action that has to happen so you can't always stay in the this contemplative state yeah of just you know creating and thinking um but i can't i don't necessarily come up with anything new yeah. or creative if i'm just constantly doing yes yes that's true yeah, so um so I'm interested in hearing, because I know you've told me stories about this before and, and more about when it was actually happening, but you, in, in now that you have the gymnastic academy, so yeah. you moved from athlete um, or competitor to a coach, and now you and your husband are business owners yes. of the Rockford Gymnastic Academy. Yes. And so you have not only competitive teams, but then you have a business and um, a space in which mm -hmm. people are coming, and they could be just coming for... An activity coming for you know just uh, preparation for another sport they're they're getting yes. or all the way to the end of international competitions right mm -hmm. yeah um, we're meeting a lot of different needs yeah. that's for sure and and so how did that all come about how did you go from from now coaching to business owner how did that 
Well, my mom started the gymnastic academy 42 years ago. Okay. Um, because there was no gymnastics in Rockford. And um, I had wanted to do gymnastics, but I was a power tumbler. So the problem with that was I could do very high skills on floor, but very low skills on beam and bars. And um, it was a little bit too late for me. Uh, but um, she started the gymnastic academy, and one year later, uh, somebody set our building on fire, which was an arson fire. Mm. And... Um, uh, and in my mom's style, it was, she made the best of it, you know. Um, Christian Life was, Christian Life School was kind enough to let us use their gym for the summer so we could get back on our feet. Okay. And the Nissan Corporation had sent us equipment, and we were back up and rolling in two weeks. Wow. And then uh, by the end of the summer, we had a bigger building that was even better for us. Okay. And we moved to several different locations, and... At the main location that we have now on Springbrook, um, my parents had bought that property so that they could put the gym on it, and uh, it was kind of out in the country then. You know, it's not now. Um, And then my mom decided to retire and spend more time with my dad, so my husband and I uh, actually moved back here because I had lived in Utah for a year. My husband had his own club out there, mm-hmm. and we came back to run the business. Okay. And my husband is a fantastic visionary, and um, he just definitely sees the direction that the business needs to go kind of ahead of when he just always sees where things are going. I'm very much the detail person. Okay, so. okay. Gotcha. So you said he had a club out in Utah. Yes. Um, what, what's your husband's first name? Uh, Jim. Jim. So what, what kind of club did he have out in Utah? He had a trampoline and tumbling club okay. that he had started at a young age. Okay. Um, and that one was very successful, and um, we were competitors, you know. So, okay. uh, But, yes, my mom wanted to retire and spend more time with my dad, and so okay. it was kind of a natural move. Na- natural transition. Yes, okay. and... And since then, we have three locations now. Okay. Um, so you have the, the main one on Springbrook. Yes, right? and that's our, our competitive gym. Okay. And then we have the trampoline park uh, by the mall. Okay. Um, and then we have one up north in Roscoe. Okay, gotcha. So, um, so when you talk about, and obviously you serve a variety of different uh, 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 serves many different purposes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And never knowing, right, where that may lead, open up the door for someone to come in and be, um, get involved with the competitive part, but it may just be the idea of movement. Yes. And just getting well, and involved. even at a really early age, it's so good for their coordination. Um, and I think that it helps develop what they need to be better athletes, even if they end up diving or doing another sport. Um, I think that gymnastics is always helpful for body awareness, especially. Sure, sure. So I can see, you know, obviously tons of different benefits from that. I want to jump back to what you were saying earlier with the international students and some of the things that you, with with this, that you've been able to be exposed to and some of your athletes be exposed to. So you're exposed to different cultures. And, yes. And so, yes. Which is so amazing. Yeah. My mom always said, when in Rome, like, you know, she we would always tried the food at different uh, countries and just learned as much as we could. It's really incredible if you can stay in homes and really see how they live. And, you know, uh, 
Yeah, it's amazing. We've we've done it in the past too with South Africans. We we had them. They came here and and we went there and um, yeah, it's I mean seeing different countries is incredible. When you thinking back and and how long have you guys been doing kind of the the work with the international uh, teams and and them you train over there and then they train almost right away the gymnastic academy opened in 1977 and my world championships was 1978 so almost from the beginning okay and that would be when other athletes would come here you mean uh, oh, and that was in 1982 was the first time we did that, okay. where we had an exchange where other athletes came here, and then we went and stayed in homes there. I see. Okay. And so... Uh, but we've met the neatest people. Yeah, I mean, a, really, truly any, amazing people. Any and particular stories? And that? now that we, uh, you know, now that you have Facebook, you can actually still keep in touch. I still keep in touch with people that I used to be a huge letter writer, and I would love... Uh, just receiving letters in the mail and, you know, writing back and forth to all of the athletes that I met. I, I, these people were my world. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and, and they're still amazing people. I mean, yeah. I still keep in touch with them, um, even the ones overseas. In fact, um, we had an interpreter one time in Bulgaria in 1983, and we still keep in touch with her. And she's still trying to get us to come back there and, you know, maybe stay with her or, you know. And these Italian uh, gymnasts, they actually are from Sicily. And we stayed in their homes. And I can't even describe to you how they treated us. Mm -hmm. I mean, they wouldn't let us pay for a meal. And um, they treated our girls like rock stars, you Mm -hmm. know, because we're a little ahead of where they are gymnastically. And they just think that that these girls are their American dream, you know. So, so I, I'm just thinking on a handful of different ways, right? So, so one way that you and your husband have, and your and your mom started off obviously putting Rockford on the international gymnastic map yes. was starting this. Um, uh, athlete exchange right yes and 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 it's bringing people into rockford mm-hmm. you know from other other locations and then vice versa right yes and um and of course no one ever knows that we never yes. hear about those types of right. things um but that's that's huge right yes and in the world age group competition was actually in rockford in 1982 oh was it really? yes okay. at the metro center interesting mm-hmm. interesting and and I think just forming those relationships, as you already mentioned, that you still keep in contact with some of them. Yes. Um, when when you think about some of the something that stood out to you, a, a memory, a, a, an interaction that kind of stands out to you about the benefit of being able to step out of your comfort zone, um, meaning meeting people from not only another country, but when it's all said and done, a competitor. Yeah. Well, I I think that the experience that I remember the most is I loved trying to communicate with them uh, when we didn't speak the same language. Mm -hmm. You know, that was really fun. We used to trade pins and jackets, warm-up jackets and things. And since then, there's a coach in Chicago that was on the Russian team. And we were like, oh, there's the Russians. You know, like it was just so amazing. There they are, and they're so good. And um, but they couldn't talk to us because it was still behind the Iron Curtain and they weren't allowed. They didn't want anyone to defect. Mm. And um, 
And when I've talked to this coach now uh, from, and I said, oh, we just loved when you came. And she goes, well, I was sad because we couldn't talk to you, you know? And I thought, how interesting that I didn't know how they felt. I just was in awe of them, you mm. know? Uh, but I think just trading things and, and being able to take something home from, you know, what belonged to them, mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was just awesome. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I, I, I know I mentioned to you a few months ago that uh, this idea that we came up with about how to raise awareness about um, raise awareness and provide solutions for people when they get stuck in that darkness that leads yes. to suicide and how um, we believe that not only the arts and different forms of the art, but athletics yeah. can provide a way out of that darkness. Yes, and, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, some of the stories that you talked about today and what you've created in in your space mm-hmm. and through your example, and obviously the other coaches that are there um, is a great example. Um, you know, I know for me, um, as a, as a therapist, we, we work with certain parts of helping people struggle through and wrestle with um, the anxiety, the depression. Sometimes it's chemical, sometimes it's mm-hmm. a result of an event, but but ultimately, it comes down to um, a lifestyle. Yes. You're never going to get over a fear of heights by talking about it. You, yes. You have, have to, to figure it. out. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have to expose yourself to it. You yes. have to kind of like that flip-flop, right? Yes. Kind of like, um, like you've been talking this whole time, mm-hmm. it is a belief system that is incorporated by a lifestyle. Well, you're also making me think of um, when sometimes when the athletes are not feeling proud of themselves and they're, uh, you know, just overwhelmed by whatever they're afraid of or um, a lot of times they just think that's what we think, too, that they're telling themselves how bad they're doing and they think that we think that, but we don't. So I think sometimes people think other people think a certain thing about them Mm -hmm. or what they're going through, but they don't think that, you know, and that can be very negative, I guess, for lack of a better word, you know, very negative, but it's not even true really. Right. Yeah. And, and I think being able to have a space where they can talk and dialogue about it allows that because our perception is our reality. Yes. Yes. But through, a dialogue through exposure to something, maybe we can shift that perception and then consequently the reality changes. Yes. So, uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. okay? <laughs> so, um, and, and again, we're just talking, so it's, it's no big deal, but two things. One, uh, if you were, um, if you were going to speak to any parents that are listening mm-hmm. ab- about, in this case, coming to the coming to the club, yes. um, regardless of where they're at on the continuum, either competing or just taking lessons, mm-hmm. um, what would you encourage the parents to think about when they come in and when they're when they're dropping off this? You mean like what they're going to get out of it? Um, not only what they're going to get out of it, but how can they best help you and the other mm. coaches to help their child? Well, what I ask of my parents is really difficult. Because I think that they should drop them off and not watch Mm -hmm. as much as they would want to. Mm -hmm. Because 
even if a parent is just kind of sitting there reading a book, the child still thinks that they can do something for them when things get uncomfortable. And I, I want to develop a relationship with the child so that we can work through those tough times together. And it's hard to do when the parents are there. And sometimes also, as a parent, it is very difficult not to interject what you think. Um, and it can get in the way of... Because kids can only listen to so much, you mm -hmm. know. They can't listen to our corrections and their parents' corrections. And I think it's very difficult to be the parent of an athlete, mm -hmm. you know. It's hard to let that go. Sure. Um, so that would at least be one of the things. I think if you're, if it's, if they're only there for recreational, I probably wouldn't go that far, you sure. know. But I think uh, let them struggle. Let them struggle more than you want, especially when you know you have a good coaching staff that's that's going to be there for them. Let them bring them, you know, on those tough days and so that we can help them get through that problem so that they can be really proud. So the struggle is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's yeah. hard to watch, but it's not a bad thing. And you know what? I want to rescue them too. Sure. But I can't either, but I can be there, yeah. you know. And we are there, and my coaching staff is amazing too. I mean, they're um, they want what's best for the kids. So the struggle is part of the thing. It is part of you cannot become a Simone Biles without struggle. <laughs> <laughs> she has struggled, even though she makes it look easy. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I, so paraphrasing that, um, if they come to you and they bring your bring their their child to you. Um, there's an element that you're asking them to trust the process. Yes. There's an aspect that you're asking them to step away so that as their child is digging for gold, yes. that's really within their within themselves, mm -hmm. for them not to be there during the details of the digging, but yes. have them bring the gold to you yes. after a practice or at a meet or whatever it is. Yes, so. because if you rescue them, they can't get through it. Yeah. You know, yeah, they there's have. No gold. There's no gold. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no gold. Just That's a great way to put it. <laughs> so, and if you were going to um, say anything to a particular, now again, recognizing that this may not be geared toward grade school kids listening, you know, mm -hmm. but if you were going to uh, say something to someone um, who either was going to get involved with gymnastics or get involved with anything, mm -hmm. maybe it's going to the gym for the first time, maybe it's doing some other type of activity they haven't done. What would you? What would you? Add? What would you throw? What would mm. you say to them? Ooh. Um, well, I guess I'm not sure what their goal would be. I would say give it a chance. Mm -hmm. You know, hang in there and give uh, whatever you set out to do. Give it a little bit of time mm -hmm. so that you can you know, give it a chance, right. you know, to get it, to make it. Sure. Yeah, don't give up just because it got hard in the beginning. <laughs> You're there for a reason, right? They, they, they pick whatever that is for, for a reason. Yes. And if we don't give it a given amount of time, yes. three months, six months, a year, and work hard through that, exactly. push hard, but we don't really because know. Because you're going to be uncomfortable at first. And if you it's give up just because you're uncomfortable, then you're going to miss the blessings on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Lori, thank you very much for being here. Oh, thank, um, you. thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yes, yeah, I always enjoy uh, the the conversations we have at the gym and definitely enjoyed having a, a longer amount of time to, to, to talk today. So uh, again, thank you. Thank you for what you do at Rockford Gymnastic Academy. And then obviously thank you for what you're doing for Rockford um, <laughs> with um, and, and for the people that are here. So again, thank you thank so you. much. Yep. Well, thank you very much for joining us today um, as Lori not only shared her experiences as an athlete, but then as that uh, morphed into being a coach and a business owner, um, but more importantly, the lessons that she's learned throughout her life, but what she's trying to share and what she's sharing with her coaches as well as the athletes that come to her. Uh, again, thank you for being with us today, and I look forward to being with you next week. <laughs>